Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths, and welcome to the show. We hope you're having a great week. We have a fantastic guest on the show to talk about his work with being an empath, being an intuitive, a teacher, a writer, and especially what we're going to focus on today is learning how to protect your light. George Lizos is a spiritual teacher and intuitive healer. He's passionate about helping light workers to follow their purpose of creating positive change in the world. George is the best-selling author of Light Workers Gotta Work, Be the Guru, and Protect Your Light. He also has two podcasts, The Lit Up Light Worker and Can't Host. Both are fabulous. You should check them out. He holds bachelor's and master's degrees in metaphysical sciences, human geography, and psychology, and is a priest of Greek paganism. Based in Cyprus, George runs a thriving online international community of empaths, lightworkers, and spiritual leaders within the Your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group. George, we're so excited to have you join us. Thank you. Hi, Samantha. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we can't wait for listeners to learn more about you for the very few who might not have heard about you. Can you tell people kind of how you got here? Because you're so young and you've done so much. I look young. It's just the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started when I was like 15 years old, growing up, as you said, in Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean. And I had these huge dreams and this huge drive to connect with the divine. I was one of those weird kids that I feel many empaths are, where I like looked at the sky and I wondered, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? So I had questions, but I didn't have the answers. At the time, growing up, the... the all spirituality that was available to me was Christianity because that was the only thing that was available. It was a very small-minded community. So that's what I followed. But then fast forward to the age of 13 years old, me realizing that I was gay in a world that uh, considered gay people to be pedophiles and criminals. It was illegal to be gay up to a certain point while I was growing up in Cyprus. I'm like, there's no way I can accept that part of myself. So that's when I entered my hero's journey, essentially suppressing who I am and forcing myself, trying to change me from gay to straight once at a time, thinking that I had to save me from the sin that I was committing. Up until two years later that I tried everything and failed because I can't change who I was born to be. And then I called myself a human abomination. I'm like, you know what? There's no way out. The only way out is for me to take my own life. And it was in that very dark moment of my life that I realized, you know what? Fuck what people think. I'm going to stop caring what society thinks, what the church thinks, what my family thinks. And I'm going to start on focusing on me and how I can learn to love and accept me exactly as I am. And the funny thing was, I had no idea how to love me. I had no idea how to accept me because all I had was self-loathing, judgment, and bullying. But you know what happens when you open yourself up to change? Spirit shows up for you. And that's when the, my first spiritual book popped up. It was about Feng Shui. And then I got into astral projection. And then I got into Louise Hay's work and affirmations. And then step by step, I started forgiving myself, forgiving my bullies, learning to love myself. And I got onto a spiritual path. And fast forward, here I am 15 or so years later. 
What a fantastic story. And you know, you're right. Learning to love yourself is not easy. There's no manual for it necessarily. And it takes a lot of time. And I think it's inspiring for listeners to hear how you were able to really push yourself through that and have the strength and stamina to say, no, I'm not an abomination. I am perfect. I am loved. I am I mean, just just knowing that you use those words about yourself, you know, that that hits the heart. And I'm so glad that you were able to come through that and then use that experience like like the hermit card from the tarot to shine the light for everyone else. That's fantastic. Yeah, I realized that at the age of 22, that's when I started writing my first book, Be the Guru. I'm like, it's a very selfish thing to have these tools and not share them. That's when I got passionate about the term life purpose, because I realized that if I went through all of that and I survived it and I learned how to support myself and I have tools that can help other people find the same kind of fulfillment and acceptance that they need in their own lives, then what a selfish thing it is to say, oh, I'm too shy to to, to share my story. So that's when I realized, you know what, that's my purpose. And that's why I believe that we all have a very specific purpose that we're here to fulfill. And I'm now realizing that our purpose has many expressions. Many people are multi-passionate and we live in a world, in a patriarchal world that tries to put us into boxes and tells us you're supposed to be one thing. Choose what you want to be when you grow up and stick to it. (laughs) And more and more people are realizing I'm this and I'm that and I can be everything at the same time. I can be a mermaid and I can have a degree in business management, for example, quoting my own self and my own my own life right now. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for articulating that so beautifully, because that is you can feel it, the, the struggle that you went through. And I mean, I'm just really grateful that you decided to stay because you're impacting so many people but also that you got it out of the way at such a young age. And you're like, no, I'm not going to let this define me. And I think so many people are struggling with that, whether they're, and I've always joked, and and this is not disrespectful. It doesn't matter what closet you're coming out of. There's that fear. There's that, in you know, are people going to ostracize me? Will I be bullied? Will I be? And the fact that you were basically, you know, this highly sensitive, intuitive, empathic person and had a sexuality that may not, that you weren't able to openly express. I mean, Samantha and I have talked about this a lot, that some of the the most successful is, is not really the right word. The most impactful people are the ones who have been through so much. So with your books and, and sharing that, thank you. Um, do you feel that your work as an empath, as a sensitive, as an intuitive has helped on your journey as far as lighting the way for other folks? Yes. First of all, thank you so much. I appreciate the the lovely words. And I feel that being an empath, being a highly sensitive slash intuitive person is a gift. It's a blessing, but it can be a curse if you don't know how to use it. And that's why I ended up writing my book, Protect Your Light, because I met empaths and sensitives and intuitives who have this huge purpose that can change the world to bring love and passion and intuition into the world to help upgrade the earth's frequency. And yet they held back because they were afraid of of people judging them, because they had all these past lives where they've been persecuted as witches and wise women, et cetera. And they have all this fear, this past, I call it PTSD, past life PTSD. (laughs) This fear 
of, of being persecuted if they express their magic in this lifetime. And they don't express themselves because they're so empathic, because they can get so uh, vulnerable and so overwhelmed with other people direct negative energy towards them. So I believe that once we learn to control our empathic abilities and by control, I mean protect them essentially so that we can switch between the two worlds. We can be empathic when we need to, and we can close up and protect our energy when we are being threatened and learn how to protect ourselves. When we manage to do that, we're fierce. Nobody can stop us. And that's how we can collectively work with one another to create change in the world because we are here collectively. In my book, Lightworkers Gotta Work, I coined the term ascension lightworkers. These are mature souls that are here to, to collectively help create change in the world. That's how we create that change, by showing up, by learning how to protect our skills and abilities, and by doing the work. As I say, light workers gotta work. Light workers gotta work. We're not light workers. Sorry, we're not light chillers. We're light workers. We gotta get off the meditation pillows <laughs> and put in the work, do the podcast, write the books, get out there. What would you say to people who say, I know I have a very big life purpose. I know I'm a light worker. I know I'm here to do something in the spiritual field, but I need this day job or I don't know what it is. What are some simple daily steps they can take that you've seen in your own work with clients has helped? I love this question. And I talk about it more deeply in light work has got to work, but essentially the gist of it is. I believe that we, we should have a very pragmatic strategy when it comes to following our purpose. We realize we live in a 3D world. We need to pay bills. Okay. So our purpose, especially once we found it, let's say, for example, someone decides, I want to be an intuitive reader. I want to do intuitive readings for people. That purpose is like a newborn baby. You can't expect it to pay your bills from day one or from the first year or from the second year. You need to give it the time it needs to grow. So my idea has always been have a full-time job or a part-time job to pay the bills and create the freedom and the creativity for your purpose to grow and eventually start supporting you for the first four years or three years of, of, of doing my, my following, following my purpose and doing this work. I worked a full-time job in London and I did that part-time until it was ready to kick off. At the same time, if we don't know what the purpose is, as part of my process that I help people in Lightworkers Gotta Work to define their purpose, is to explore our childhood dreams and desires and interests and hobbies and what we wanted to be when we were kids because we didn't yet have the time to be indoctrinated <laughs> in a world and in a system that tells us you have to be this or you have to be that, you can't be this and you can't be that. When we're kids, we just know what we want. I wanna be a vet. And it's not just because you want to be a vet. It's because you're sensitive and you find that sensitivity in animals. It has to do with caring for people. So you can take the clues from the different interests and hobbies we had as children and those inform what our life purpose is or what an expression of our life purpose is. Oh, so those are fantastic answers. And those are practical things that people can think about. I love that your, your discovery of your spiritual purpose is like a baby and you need to give it time to grow. That is, that is absolutely ideal. Exactly. Yeah. We, we can't expect it to pay the bills from day one. <laughs> it has, it's a gradual process and then take one step towards your purpose every single day. 
Because I hear like coaches say, oh, just quit your job. Trust that the universe will support you and take massive risks. And I'm like, fair enough. It works for some people. But if you're an, a, a sensitive empath, <laughs> massive risk equals death. Okay. And quitting the job creates so much uncertainty. It just shocks your whole system. I'm, I'm all about gradual changes and shifts, training our ego to get comfortable with change. One little step every single day is all that you need to follow and fulfill your life purpose. It trains the ego to accept change, makes the ego feel comfortable. Oh, okay, here's a change. I haven't died. <laughs> Let's take another one. I haven't died today either. Let's keep on taking extra steps. <laughs> and then eventually the ego gets like used to it. I'm like, oh, I can take two steps per day. And then eventually you can expand the steps you can take and you can start taking massive action, but it has to be gradual. I love, love, love that you said that because so many people want to, oh, I'll jump and the net will appear. I'm a big fan of a side hustle is see if you like it. Don't put the pressure on that to pay your bills or to support you because you're going to add that energy into it of fear and anxiety, and you're not going to allow it to grow and become what it came to be. Um, and I just have to say that I, I really appreciate that you use the word that empaths are fierce, they're powerful, they're strong, because so many people perceive empathy and sensitivity as a weakness when in, in fact, it's an incredible strength. So with that, people want to step into their purpose. What would be some tools to protect themselves energetically so that they can take those baby steps and those risks? Great question. So in Protect Your Light, I share a seven-step process to protecting our energy. I want to share the, the three steps that I believe are the most important ones. Step number one is identifying. So in Protect Your Light, I teach how we can both cleanse and protect our energy because you cannot just shield or just protect because if you just do that, you're shielding in the bad energy in as well. So every single day we have this auric field, we walk through life, we absorb and we attract different types of energies. Unless we cleanse them first, then we're not able to shield ourselves. So we have to do all the steps. So the first of the three main steps is identify. And that has to do with psychically or intuitively scanning our energetic field to identify what kind of negative energy attachments are cluttering and clogging our energetic field. And in the book, I talk about the different types of energy attachments. We can chat about them later if you want to. But once we identify what's there, that's interfering with, with our energetic authenticity, with who we are, with the way we think, feel, and behave, then we have to move into step number two, which is all about clearing them, cleansing them. So it's all about using different tools and practices to clear whatever it is we've attracted. And I, there are different processes we can use, and I can share a couple later on. And then we move into step number three, which is all about shielding ourselves, protecting our energy. Everyone in the spiritual community is like, oh, shield yourself with white light. And we've turned to the freaking white light bubble as the most important and powerful tool, or my favorite one, oh, call upon Archangel Michael. Every single process, every single book, it's a freaking white light and Archangel Michael. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not doubting the effectiveness of these tools. I include the white light bubble in the book. I'm just saying it's, it's not a one size fits all fix. There are different types of attacks, 
And therefore, there are different types of shields that we can use to protect ourselves in different circumstances, in different situations, depending on where we are. That's why in Protect Your Light, I talk about transmuting shields, repelling shields, and amplifying shields. Each type of shield does a different thing. And when you layer them, you create different types of protections. And I have not included Archangel Michael in the book because I'm like, enough. Everyone knows about him. He's powerful. We do know that. Let's talk about something else. And I did get a comment from uh, an Amazon review from the Spanish edition of the book saying, I can't believe I read a book about energy protection and Archangel Michael is not mentioned in it and gave me like a one out of five because oh, I didn't mention Archangel Michael. That guy, talk about work in your light. That guy's called on so much. He never gets to rest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How about taking our own power and being right. our Archangel person and, and, and claiming our protection power? That's why in the book, I don't talk a lot about working with outside entities consciously because I want people to discover that we have the power to protect ourselves. Our body, our energy field is our most powerful protection tool. Yes, we can work with spirit, but spirit is complementary. And when we, when we start depending on spirit, that's when we've lost our capacity to protect ourselves. How often do you think people should do clearing and checking in techniques like that? Like in terms of chakra cleansing or cord cutting, how often do you think empaths should be doing that? I believe that everyone should have a daily energy protection practice, a basic one, a five to 10 minute run every single morning. The same way we, we brush our teeth and put on clothes, we need to put on our energetic clothes as well. And in the same way we shower, we need to energetically shower as well. So, and by the way, we can combine the two. When we shower, there's actually, I'm going to share a process from the book. I talk about the unicorn shower. So whenever we shower physically, we ask our unicorn spirit guide, that is a guide that I include in the book, but if people don't want to work with a unicorn spirit guide and they want to work with Archangel Michael or something else, or just light, you can visualize the, the uh, rainbow ray, which is uh, a high vibrational frequency of light that has all the colors of the rainbow in their highest vibrational frequency. You can ask the rainbow ray to infuse that water. So when you're showering, you're allowing the rainbow ray to wash away your energetic field as well and wash away all the negative attachments you've attracted. So there is a basic energy protection practice we should do every single day. But then I suggest that at least once every two to three months, we do a proper uh, clearing where we scan our energetic field, identify what's there and clear uh, more in-depth things. And of course, Sometimes we cannot see what we cannot see. We need someone else to scan our energy. Many people who have bought my book, book psychic clearing sessions with me because of this. They've done the work. They've cleared what they've seen, but they need someone external to be able to see what they cannot see because certain things are so embedded into our psyche, we don't even know they're there. We get used to living a certain way for so long. We think... That represents who we truly are. And, and we say, oh, that's just me. No, it's not you. It's how you learned to identify. 
Yeah, that's it's you know what it's like. This is a really bad metaphor, but it popped into my head. You know, when you clean your house every day, but then you're having company over or you're getting ready for a party and suddenly you see all this stuff in your house that needs renovation or work. It's kind of like that. You need to have that impetus of someone else looking at your energy to sometimes highlight these things that we're not recognizing. Okay, I got to ask about this unicorn guide. I didn't know I had a unicorn guide. So can you tell people about that? Yes. So unicorns, I did a whole research about whether unicorns actually existed as animals. And that blog is on my website. Actually, people can, can go and read it. They did not exist as real animals. There is biological and historical evidence around that. So unicorns exist as spirits. They are spiritual extensions of our souls. So it is our soul manifesting in the form of a unicorn so that we can have a more direct relationship with our soul. So they are synonymous with our souls, but they're also extensions to it. If you want to categorize them as a type of spirit guide, they are uh, spirit guides of the element of spirit. So we have the five elements, earth, air, fire, water, and spirit. So they're spirit elementals, essentially. They work with our souls. So we can work with our own personal unicorn spirit guide and have a meditation in both Lightworkers Gotta Work and Protect Your Light about meeting your unicorn spirit guide. And the, unicorn are, are the unicorns carry the rainbow ray, this high vibrational frequency of light that helps balance our chakras and raise them to the vibration of our authentic selves. So the white light bubble and the rainbow light bubble are very similar. They're both amplifying shields, but they do different things. So the rainbow ray bubble of, of shield around yourself, because it has the seven colors of the, of the rainbow and our chakras, it clears our chakras automatically and raises your frequency. While the white light, which also includes the seven colors of the rainbow, but together as a singular white light, it just raises our collective vibrational frequency. So one, the rainbow light is more specific and works on chakras, whereas the other one, the white light bubble, it just raises our overall vibrational frequency. There are so many realms that we have access to. If you've done any type of journey work or gone to different dimensions or or worked in that frequency, people that um, creatures or beings or energies that might be deemed myth, uh, mythical, truly you can connect with that energy and get those messages. And so how did you get, uh, how did you find this information about the rainbow light and the unicorn energy? Because that is unique. Yes. And since you talked about the different like dimensions, et cetera, and, and since I know Samantha, uh, like teaches about astral projection as well. When we think about the fourth layer of our aura, the astral layer, which is the layer where we access the fourth dimension, usually when I do my sessions with clients, if they've been attacked by spirits from other realms, I see holes within the astral layer of the aura. There are openings or cracks or tears, and there are spirits coming in and attacking from the lower astral plane. So depending on whether you go to the higher astral plane or the lower astral plane, there are different types of spirits you can communicate. So how I came around meeting uh, the guides was through my own journeys. 
However, I did start from the elementals, from the earth elementals. So I started by connecting with the earth elementals, the gnomes, the fairies, the dryads. Then I started connecting with the water elementals, the mermaids, the sprites, the water dragons. The, then the air elementals, the sylphs, the phoenix, fire elementals, the dragons, the salamanders. And then I'm like, who? how about the spirit elementals? And that's when I discovered the unicorns. And I actually used to teach a course uh, with Callista, who teaches about unicorns as well. And we taught about the five different elementals. And from then on, they started teaching me all this information and um, introducing me to the rainbow ray. And then the, the golden ray of light that I learned from Apollo. And then the violet flame that many people, uh, I think, associate with Saint-Germain and or Archangel Zadkiel, but I see the violet flame dragons. So depending on different people's perspective, they can work with these different frequencies of light via different beings. And that's why I'm not really attached to the actual beings and spirit guides that bring forth these frequencies. I'm attached to what the frequency is and what the frequency can do. Oh, I love that. I know your time is short. I just have one last question. What is your newest book that you're working on and when can we expect it? So I'm so excited about my next book. It's called Secrets of Greek Mysticism. It comes out April 8th. And because I'm a Greek pagan priest, meaning that I still practice the religion of the ancient Greeks, I went to Athens and I trained with the Greek pagans there. And we have a temple of Zeus, the first modern temple of Zeus here in Cyprus. And I've been practicing this for the past uh, few years now. I wanted to bring forth the truth about working with the Greek gods and goddesses because sadly, as a result of Christianity, the way we perceive and we know the Greek gods and goddesses is from a mythological perspective. We think of them as myths, but myths and theology is a completely different thing. Myths reflect theology, but theology does not reflect mythology. So Ares, for example, is considered as a war of God, and we see him like killing and causing wars, etc. But from a theological perspective, according to the ancient Greeks, he was the god of courage and bravery, two virtues that we can use to follow our life purpose. He's also the uh, war of conflict. And sometimes the most loving, loving thing you can do is fight. Think about when someone attacks you and bullies you or tries to rape you. What are you going to do? Sit there and send them love and light? No. You're going to fight back. That's the most loving thing you can do for yourself or for someone else that you see being attacked. In those cases, when nothing else is, is, is available to us, we need this raw power and energy of Aries to come in and support us. So in the book, I reintroduce the 12 Greek gods and goddesses of Olympus from a theological perspective, offering people both their mythology, but as well as there are virtues that we can use to embody to be better humans and follow our life purpose. I include sacred ancient hymns that the ancient Greeks used to practice, translated from ancient Greek to English, and also journal prompts, meditations to receive activations from the gods, and affirmations that we can use to connect with the gods and goddesses, all with the purpose of following our life purpose, with rituals, connect with the new moon, the full moon, and the Greek will of the year that's not so popular. We know the Celtic will of the year with, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Yule and all the different, like, how, how it all changes. 
but the ancient Greeks had a different will of the year that has every single month there is a different celebration to a different god. For example, this current month of October, we're celebrating, it's Aries actually, it's the month of Aries, and we're celebrating the Heraclea celebration in honor of Hercules as well, and Hercules's virtues. And therefore, it's all about embracing the virtues of bravery and courage and living with those virtues and embodying those virtues in our everyday life. Oh, I love that. And I, I can't wait to read it because what I like is that you take concepts we're all pretty familiar with and you add so much new things to them, things that we didn't know about or new ways of looking at that. So I'm really excited to check out your new book in April. Tell people where they can find you and listen to you and connect with you. Yes. So you can find me. I live on Instagram. So at George Lizas, you can get in touch with me. I have two podcasts. One is a lit up light worker podcast. That's a, it's all about spirituality. And I have a queer men and relationship sex podcast, which is called Can't Host as well at Bridges Sexuality, Spirituality and Psychology. And you can check out my one-on-one sessions and online courses at uh, www.georgelizas.com. Awesome. We'll put that information in the show notes. Thank you so much, George. This has been a lot of fun and very informative. Thank you, Samantha and Denise. It's been a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.